Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 31 of the Weekly Wheatley Podcast. Thank you very much for uh, joining us again and for your support. Um, I'd also like to thank Olivia for her uh, contribution last week. We talked a lot about holistic counselling and psychotherapy, so if you haven't listened to that, go back and have a... Um, have a go and uh, she, she was very good and like literally i the way this has turned out i literally put the episode out about um maybe an hour ago so uh yeah we're we're, um, we're way ahead of ourselves as usual and um, we're doing the facebook live thing on the sundays i did it last sunday for my brother's house um oh yeah and this one th- this sunday might be interesting because i'm looking at a a way of uh, a different way to treat um depression and it's basically kind of it's it's a headset okay that's all i'm going to tell you because i need to read the um the instructions and whatever but uh it's a it's a kind of a new swedish um device and yeah i'll, I'll pop it on next week for the crack and um we'll see uh we'll see if it works it takes a few weeks obviously but it's, it's supposed to be very good so hopefully it is um and obviously thanks to my father for uh, noticing the ad for it and then recommending it to me and then actually paying for it so <laughs> um thank you pierce uh, so uh, let me introduce my guest for today. Um, she's an artist and creator of Mama's Drawing Room, and her name is Grace Daniels. How are you, Grace? I'm all right. Thank you very much for coming out today. Thanks for having me. You picked a nice day. No storm. Well, a storm yesterday. Yeah. You went. Your electricity went down. I thought I was going to have to cancel today if crash. Oh open right. They're, like right down the road from us. So if their electricity was gone. Of course. Yeah. Last minute cancelling, but no. All good. How, how long did it go for? Uh, it was supposed to be gone. It went at five, and they said it would be back at eight thirty, but it actually came back at ten past six. So oh okay grand. how long did you get hit for um last week yeah nine hours yeah we got yeah. like 15 or something it's a drag nine like. hours with two small children yeah that's like different multiplied by three yeah and yeah that's so. different we were uh it was just me reading a book <laughs> yeah see that's not this is it if i was on my own i'd be fine and i'd yeah. be eating cold food and i'd be grand or yeah. like biscuits but they i had to like not open the fridge that much and i could yeah. open the freezer and all that so entertain them then and yeah because crash was closed which yeah i had to go drive down to find that out as well oh god um hopefully no more storms for a while anyway um could you just t- tell us a short history of your upbringing please so I grew up in uh, originally Castle Gregory in Kerry and then we moved to Tralee when I was four. But like I would count myself as being from Castle Gregory. Okay. Um, it was just me and mom since I was five. Right. Uh, my parents split up. Then my dad is still around like they're friends. He's not a dad as people would know them. You know what I mean? Mm. I always say he's more like the fun uncle that okay. shows up from time to time and like gives you a fiver, that sort of thing. Yeah. But he's a much better grandfather than he is a dad. So okay. he's He's okay with me saying these things. <laughs> so um, only child and myself and mom are very close, like because it was just us yeah, in the house. Yeah. Um, I do have a great extended family. So I never, you know, a lot of people think an only child is lonely, mm. but I have cousins and aunts and uncles and my granddad was great. And, and they were so, close. Yeah, they were yeah. All, kind of around Castle Gregory. Um, we've some in London as well, but like right. we were always very close. And because I was the first, I was born when my mom was 25 and she was the eldest. Okay. So the youngest was 13. So they say I grew up with them, you know, yeah. the next grandchild wasn't until I was nine. Right. So I'm like the grand sibling is what yeah, yeah, yeah. because I kind of fall between the two. So yeah. they'd always talk to me as an adult, but then I have my younger cousins and now they're in their 20s. So we're kind of the same age. It's a big, fa- it's well. a big family, is it? Or My mom has three siblings and then okay. they all have um, two to four kids. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because my dad Decent. had loads as well, but not really close to them. Yeah. So. OK. Um, and when did you move to... Ballinasloe you're living in. Yeah, so I I left 
actually when I was 18 to go to college in Galway. Okay. And then I did um, a year and a half there before I dropped out. I was doing art specializing in textiles and I dropped out mm. a pattern of my life. I had already done a PLC course in art and design in Tralee and I loved it. Mm. And then I did the year and a half, we'll say, in Galway. Then I moved to Cork to do an interior design okay. course. Then I moved back to Galway for a few months before I went to Canada. Oh. And when I moved back from Canada, I... This is like a total tangent already. But when I moved Sorry. back from Canada, I moved in with my best friend in okay. Galway, Fiona. And then through her, at her brother's wedding, I met Joe. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So then when our house, when our lease was up in Galway, I said I'd move in with Joe temporarily in Ballinasloe. Hmm. And that was 11 years ago. So that's how I ended up in Ballinasloe. That's how you ended up in Ballinasloe. Yeah. A roundabout route. Found it. Yeah. Found yeah. nice. Um, so tell us, when did you f- first become uh, aware of mental health? In art college in Galway. Okay. Because, and it's funny to think of it now, because in art college in Galway, art students have higher rates of depression and mental health things because they're creative people. So they're bigger thinkers and Mm. more prone to things like that. And like at the time there would have been, you know, where you hear a student was gone for maybe two weeks or Mm. something. And then it would still be the whispers of, did you hear your man there is awful depressed like and he's on antidepressants yeah. and like now that's nearly <laughs> a badge of honour that yeah. you've dealt with it yeah. so it would be oh yeah he's gone now like he just couldn't handle it or whatever but then they'd come back and kind of kid gloves with them you know yeah. and, but everybody would be kind of oh yeah he's on antidepressants and yeah. she's like and that so that was kind of the first time I knew that anybody had issues at all yeah. with it and then for me personally it was after I came back from Canada I was working in a place in Galway and I ended up being bullied by the boss, basically. He oh. wouldn't say that's what it was, but yeah. it was me and just me and him working there, which is not what I thought when I signed up for it. And it was a stressful job, like during for him, it was a stressful business to have mm. during 2008, 2009, like recession. Yeah. And he took everything out on me and it was just me okay. and him there all time, ta- all the time. And it was like low footfall retail. So there might be only 10 customers in a day. Mm. So there was lots of time for him to give out to me. Um, oh. So I basically... I didn't know any of this at the time. I internalized it all. Even I went to a physio. My shoulders were like up here. Mm. And she said, like, why Why would your shoulders be up like that? And I realized that when he'd call my name, my whole body would tense because oh. I knew he was going to give out to yeah. me. And like he'd ring me and eat me over the phone for mistakes that he'd made. Wow. And it was just, I internalized everything. Mm. And after a few months then anyway, like I was a real mess then after a few months. I um, ended up getting a load of kidney infections and all this, but it was basically the stress. Yeah. So then what happened was I I couldn't get out of bed anymore, like to try and get up to go for work. I, you know, I'd have to leave, we'd say at nine to go yeah. to work, five to nine. I was still lying in bed just thinking, is there any way I can get out of it today? And then one day I just thought I, I can't, mm. I just can't do it. And I said to Joe, my husband, a boyfriend at the time, I was like, I just, I can't do it. And he was like, are you okay? Like, what's mm. wrong? Are you sick or whatever? And I thought maybe I am sick. So I made an appointment for the doctor and the doctor said, you're fine. You just need to get over it basically yeah i was saying you know i'm very nauseous i'm very anxious i'm jittery my hands were shaking so i left that doctor's appointment thinking so i am actually just losing my mind Mm. like you know and i went home and i got back into bed at like what 11 a.m or something Mm. and thought okay i'll go to work tomorrow because i am fine there's nothing wrong with me and the next day the same thing happened again and this time i couldn't i physically couldn't get myself out of the bed and i was shaking and crying and joe was just looking at me thinking like what is going on Mm. And I just I just kept saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I kept crying. And he eventually rang the doctor who I'd seen the day before to say, 
she's there's definitely something wrong with mm. her you know she can't get out of bed and she can't stop crying i now know obviously like that was a panic attack yeah and the doctor said the doctor rang back that afternoon and said it's not a whole lot i can do for her if she's like this the best thing i could do for her would be put her on antidepressants for six months but that's about it Okay. Which wasn't helpful. So no. then I rang my mom, eventually told my mom the yeah. state I was in. And she said, look, come down home and see your own doctor. And I went down to him and he took the phone off the hook when he saw the state of me, you know, and he sat for 45 minutes with me. And I just said, like, I hate my job. I, I can't go in. And like, I thought they were unrelated. I hate my job. I can't go in. Could not get out of bed this morning. Mm. So I couldn't stop crying. And I feel really nauseous. And first of all, he said, like, that was when he said, do you think you might have a kidney infection? I'd never had one. And he tested me and said I had a raging kidney infection. And I didn't know some oh. of the symptoms of a kidney infection can be shaking and nausea. Right. Similar to the panic attack. So they kind of masked each other. So um, I took two weeks off work then to kind of get myself together mm. down in Kerry. This was pre-kids and stuff. But like that was when I started myself with panic attacks. Yeah. And I thought I was worthless. He had me thinking I was worthless. And mm. it literally became every aspect of my life even though it was a 25 hour a week retail job yeah i remember sitting there it was new year's and christmas and i was down home and i just went into a total hole of what's the point of anything like mm. if i'm this shit at a retail job what am i good at or yeah. like what is the point of me at all you know and so that was christmas and i planned to stick it out for a while to try and get a different job or to try and set up my own business mm. oh that was what I thought I thought I hate him so much and I hate this so much that I'm never working for anybody ever again yeah. or at least not for a few years so I was like I have to do something myself and I thought I would start doing cakes because I'd started baking and liked it and stuff mm. and that was the plan to kind of stick it out while I got that going and then one day again he just at me for a mistake he'd made or something mm. and he it was a business ownership we'll say between two people Okay. and I used to get the blame from both of them and he said to me, you know, like, oh, it's not my fault. I take out my anger on you. Like, it's just the way I deal with my anger is to shout at people. And I was like, I just said to him one day, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, this isn't fair that I'm stuck between the two of you and you both just use me as the one to blame for everything. So I just quit that day on the spot. And um, good. Yeah. Yeah. I th it literally came to the point, And this was 10 years ago when still you couldn't tell people. I'm looking after my mental health, you know, yeah. and I quit and I was like, it's it's either it's one way or the other. I either have a breakdown now mm. and stay in this job or I leave. And, but at the time, you still couldn't say to someone I left because I was going insane. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I did say tell people he, he was a bully, but also I wasn't getting much money considering mm. the hours I was doing and everything. So um, I left and I probably lay in bed for a couple of weeks to kind of. I don't think that like I, I think the. The job thing varies, obviously. Some people yeah. have a, a like a hell of a time in the job, but with the boss, some people that the the job doesn't suit them, whatever. But I, I don't think your reaction to those things were out of the ordinary. They were they no. were very normal things. Yeah. But it does show the importance of a good GP. That was, that was it because I yeah. went to that guy and I was telling him this, and I actually had something medically wrong with me at the time, so yeah. I had a very bad kidney infection, and he literally was looking at the clock, mm. looking at his watch. And I had a note written down because I was so nervous going in because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And he was like, "You're." He literally patted me on the shoulder and said, "You're fine. You just need to calm down." Help. Oh, like, oh, that's so annoying. Oh, I never went back to him again. But it's but like then, you, you. This is the thing that really kind of upsets me because I've done it twice when I've been so nervous and I haven't been able to kind of match all the things together in my head. I've written them down in a notebook and I've taken them to the doctor. Now my doctor is great. I, he, I was very lucky to get him. Uh, where I was able to go in and kind of show him the notes and he was the one who could pick them apart because I was just yeah. in incapable of it, you know. Exactly, yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, but just for the people who don't know, I met, I met Grace in, in Fusion and uh, she told me a story about the, the birth of her first child and um, what kind of uh, came with it. So there's no point in me asking a question. Just fire that away. That sounds so strange that we met in CrossFit and I just told you the birth <laughs> the story. Of well, her. look, <laughs> yeah, that does sound strange. But Martin was the, you. I don't I don't just overshare. No, the, the Grace didn't just come to me and start putting all, like all this on me. It, Martin was uh, was aware of it and he. The podcast was coming up or yeah, it was so only the start of it. It was because I had listened to the podcast because Fiona taught me to. Oh, that's what and I was saying. she's yeah. like, you'll really like it. But then, so then I kind of thought, and I knew Martin kind of supported this mm. and everything. So I thought, okay, Fusion is like a safe space. And I had won the six week transformation thing there. Oh, yeah. So on my last day of it, I was saying to Martin, he was like, you know, I hope you enjoyed it and all this. And I said, because I knew that he was like a safe person. I yeah, like, Martin, yeah, sure. like, it, it doesn't matter like how I did inside here. The point is I came and I stayed because I have huge issues with like anxiety and I have PTSD after mm. my first son's birth. So for me to come in here and stick this out and not run crying was huge. Yep. And that's when he was like, you should go talk <laughs> to Derek. And yeah. Him. So and you did. And you told me this this yeah. uh, story. So off you go. Time for a fun ride. So <laughs> my, my son, my first son, Alex, he is five years, four months. So uh, I was pregnant with him five years ago and at my 36 week appointment, you have a checkup appointment to 36 weeks. Like I went into that appointment and I I knew my feet were swollen. Like there was no denying my, I couldn't close my laces or anything. Mm. But they checked my blood pressure because these are the main things when you're having a baby that they check the protein in your urine, your blood pressure and any swelling because they're markers for preeclampsia. So I went into that 36 week appointment and she checked my blood pressure and she was like, it's a bit high, you know, I'll just check it again. And then she said, have you any swelling? And I was like, look. Mm. And uh, she said, okay, we're just going to have to get this checked out. So I ended up being admitted at the 36-week appointment. Um, So like he obviously wasn't due for another month. And I was kept in originally overnight for observation. And then nothing was changing. There was there was markers. You have to have a particular number of pro- protein in your urine to be a marker for it. So I had that. I had ridiculously bad swelling. And I had the high blood pressure. So they tried to treat the blood pressure and stuff with pills to see if they can get it down and let you out and basically the next few days weren't so bad I was just lying in hospital like I didn't have any babies at home then yet I was mm. already finished up at work and they were just trying to see could they get me home for the few weeks in between and then it would flip-flop all the time you know but it was fine it was it was stressful-ish but like mm. it was nothing compared to what was going to come so I was mm. okay I was being very well looked after I want to say first of all I was very well looked after in there from a physical point of view and a, you know that sort of thing yeah. it was the mental side of it that was difficult so then I realized I wasn't going to get home from the hospital so I kind of made my peace with it they were going to, they said the worst case scenario was they'd keep me in for three weeks until actually that wasn't the worst case that was kind of the best case mm. they'd keep me in for three weeks and then induce me at 39 weeks because the only way to cure preeclampsia is to remove the baby. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine, three weeks in hospital, it's going to be tough. But then basically in the next couple of days, it ramped up and they couldn't get a handle on my blood pressure and things like this. So at 36 plus six, he was born by emergency cesarean section okay. because they just couldn't control it anymore. And it was a bank holiday Monday. So it was kind of like I needed that C-section. Mm. And interestingly afterwards the day before the day before he was born was a really bad day I had all this pain in my back and like up my chest and I was just in terrible form and like really stressed and a midwife said to me afterwards she was like I knew no matter what happened it was ending that day one way or another so even though I wasn't as they always as they many times told me that I never labored um 
like my body was basically shutting down, yeah. you know, because with preeclampsia, what happens is your organs start to fail. Ooh. But I actually didn't have any of that. There's a few different things you can get. It can make babies very sick. He was fine. Yeah. It can shut down your organs. It can give you so eclamptic seizures is preeclampsia. You're trying to avoid eclamptic seizures and uh, a stroke is what oh. can happen then as well, because it's blood pressure and all that so i was very lucky like as all that went i was doing fine like all the tests my organs were doing fine i was doing fine i wasn't having um visual disturbances it's another thing and i wasn't having like this really bad pain and he was totally fine Mm. which was all good stuff so then emergency section was scheduled um and they and it was it was fine as these things go like i didn't know what was happening i found it stressful enough Mm. obviously um but it all was it was fine. I know yeah. I keep saying it was fine, no, but no, it was no. all fine. Yeah. I did fine through all that. Yeah. Like all that was thrown at me, but it was grand. And then when he was born, he was immediately taken to um, special care. But that was because of me, because I was very like sick and they wanted to get a handle on what was going on with me. And because he was 36 plus six, so he was mm. technically not term yet. So they wanted to check him out. So they brought him to special care and then they brought me back to the labor ward, which is special care for. So they brought him to special care baby unit, which okay. is Skaboo. And then they brought me back to special care in the ward. And they told me it was just to keep an eye on me. But mm. they told my husband and my mother that they needed to give me medication to stop um, eclamptic seizures just oh, in right, case. Okay. And they needed to keep a really close eye on my blood pressure. But they don't tell you that, like, cause, you know, to keep you calm. Yeah. And that's what they told him. They were like, we're watching her now for seizures just to make sure she doesn't have them. So um, then Alex was brought back up after about two hours, I'd say. And I hadn't I'd gotten to kiss him in special care. I hadn't gotten to hold him. And then he was brought back up and they brought him over and I kissed him again because I was still they were still kind of watching me. And I thought he was back then for good. So my husband was holding him and my husband noticed that his breathing wasn't right. And he was literally whisked away to special care again before I had even held him or anything again. So now, like, so I was sick enough that they didn't even want my mom in there. My mom had driven from Kerry at 6 a.m. And they didn't even want her in there with me. That's like yeah. how much of an eye they wanted to keep on me. But I was pretty much fine in myself yeah. because I was I knew preeclampsia ends when the baby's out. So that's it. We just have to get over mm. this and it's fine. And so then they watched me overnight, literally one hour blood pressure check. So you get no sleep. And I'd had that a few yeah. days before as well. And then the next day they discharged me to normal hospital mm. room. But I'd had a C-section, like I couldn't walk or anything. And I thought I was in a wheelchair going down mm-hmm. and I thought, how am I going to do this? I can't. But actually, I now know the best thing to do after a section is to get moving. Mm. You do need to force yourself to just get moving and stuff. So I still hadn't seen Alex at this stage. Like I was having friends and stuff messaging me saying, oh, enjoy the cuddles and yeah. such a magical time. And there was me <laughs> in a separate floor of the hospital. Yeah. I hadn't seen him. Joe was coming up to me saying like oh here's a picture of him they had taken pictures in special care to show me he was fine but what they'd actually done was taken off his CPAP machine and taken the oxygen tent off him because um, breathing breathing problems can be a problem with C-section mm. babies because their lungs don't clear and because he was early because their lungs usually clear coming down the birth canal okay, yeah. the mucus but that doesn't happen with C-section babies Okay. so he was struggling a bit but it wasn't out of the ordinary you know but they to show the mom everything's fine mm. they took a picture with all his stuff off him which I think is so sweet as well it know? is quite sweet yeah. it is so then Joe was the main parent down in special care and Joe came up you know and I had planned on breastfeeding because it's free and I'm mm. lazy they were literally my entire aims for it so Joe and they kept and I'd gone to a breastfeeding um, class literally mm. the day before he was born I had to get special permission to be allowed even to a different part of the hospital so Joe came up then and he shows me a picture from feeding him a bottle of formula and I was like, 
all right okay so mm. that's is that that done like i can't even do that but the night he was born i'm going back and forth again no, already. It's, good. it's good the night he was born a midwife came into me at 9 p.m and she goes right do you want to breastfeed and i said well i did yeah mm. she goes okay we're going to try and express some milk now and i was like there's to be honest there's no point like loads of women you know get really big chested mm. when they're pregnant and they leak and all this i'd none of that and she said that doesn't matter i'm going to show you what you have to do and she showed me how to do it and she gave me a little syringe and a cup and i got 0. 0.5 of a mil and yeah. I was like this is pointless you yeah. know and she came in and I was like oh, this is ridiculous she said that's absolutely brilliant she was like that's colostrum you don't need a lot of it baby's tummy is the size of a marble when it's right. born they need a tiny amount and she literally was like this is fantastic Grace and she ran to special care and left me in the room and I was like oh yeah. this was good you yeah. know because I felt I'd failed I hadn't laboured I hadn't I'd had a c-section like mm. I hadn't even seen him or held him never mind fed him but she just gave me this little bit of a perk of amazing and she yeah. went down with it so then the next day I got to go down and see him when he was 30 hours old and I say that's when I met him you know mm. um, so they set me up in a, a school chair essentially right and they handed him to me and he was very swollen because I had had because I was swollen and right. he was swollen and then I'd had fluids before the birth so he was very swollen and mm. puffy and had like tiny little eyes and fat little cheeks you know yeah and I thought, how do I know this is my baby? Yeah. I don't know that he's mine. I didn't see him come out of me. I yeah. didn't get to hold him. They've taken him down here. Joe's been minding him. The staff are minding him. I knew nothing. Like, it was yeah. just really detached, you know, not what you think. You think someone's going to hand you your baby after it comes out of you. Mm. That's kind of the proof that it's yours, you yeah. know, and that you're going to get to spend this lovely time with them. I was just being handed this baby. And I remember thinking, like, this could, this doesn't look like my, he doesn't look yeah. like me. This might be my baby. And like, it sounds crazy now, you know, but I remember thinking, I didn't believe he was mine until they actually let me breastfeed him. Right. And it was even in those moments that I was putting him onto the pillow to feed him. I thought they could still say, sorry, actually, that's not your baby. We'll take him away. Yeah, yeah. And it was only literally when I latched him on, I thought, OK, this is definitely my baby because they wouldn't let a stranger breastfeed a baby. Like, yeah. that's how skewed my reality was mm. because I hadn't seen him or yeah. held him or anything. And so we started working on me getting to feed him then. So he had had formula until then because... Okay. Between, obviously, I wasn't in a position to come down and feed him. They couldn't let me down. So they started teaching me and him how to breastfeed. Because even though it's natural, it is a learned skill for okay. both parties. It doesn't just come naturally and like pain free straight away. So um, every three hours I'd go down then to feed him. And I found, or if I couldn't go down, if I wasn't allowed because of my blood pressure or whatever, mm. I'd pump up in the room. And I found that like fantastic for me in the first few days because it was the only routine I had every yeah. other mom in the ward had a baby I had no baby hmm. I was on my own and they'd be coming in looking you know visitors and stuff like for other people because I wasn't really allowed visitors either or if it, if my mom or a visitor did come in I was showing them photos of my baby like very, it's a very sad kind of image for yeah, you know it's terrible being in the ward when yeah. there's other babies there so hmm. I was there a week before he was born with women coming in, having their babies, leaving. And I was sitting there thinking I could be there for three weeks. Yeah. And then I thought, at least I'll have a baby after this. And then I was back in the ward. No baby. Still no idea what was going on. So I found the pumping really good because I was doing something. It was a task mm. for me to do. Or I could come up and be like, right, set an alarm for three hours and I'll get to go down and see him again. Mm. And that was the only time I was allowed to hold him, even though he was actually fine. Like he was seven pounds, seven ounces okay. three weeks early, which is big. Yeah. 
and he was like there was babies a third of his size in incubators so he was fine um, but it was between blood sugars and then jaundice and everything he was just kept in once you're in Skaboo you don't get out until you're perfectly healthy whereas okay. you might have a baby up on the ward who had a touch of those things as well so that I think was where it started for me that breastfeeding was something that I enjoyed or that was good for me mm. because everything else was going wrong but it was the one thing I was doing well. You were in control of, of it, that. Yeah, and yeah. it was yeah, it was just the one thing I was that my body was doing properly, mm. you know. So then the staff in special care were teaching me how to feed him, which took it takes going as well because babies will prefer a bottle often because it flows out easier. They have to work All right. to get it from a boob, so they prefer a bottle. So I was going down and maybe trying to latch him. And like that in itself was just the strangest thing because there was people that I knew from town. And they're like, how are you inside in special care? Right, yeah. And like, I'm adjusting to like having my top down, yep. bra open. This nurse is trying to like dock a baby mm. is what she, it felt like she was trying to do yeah. on like a space station. And I'm there going, how are you to people? Yeah. And even I know I'm married to him, but it was just weird in that situation, mm. like to be using a bit of you that you've never used yeah. like that and getting used to it. And I came so close to saying like it's the typical the bailout at CrossFit mm. that I thought I was going to do or like today coming to this I came so close to saying just give him a bottle because mm. I, I can't cope with the stress of this and then so we'd try he'd maybe latch on for a couple of minutes but then we'd have to give him a bottle and then I'd come back a few hours later and try the same thing again and by that evening which is quick for a baby he had it he got oh. it they actually said they were like he's a beautiful breastfeeding baby and she said sure look I said is he I had nothing to compare to and she yeah. goes sure look at that latch like it's perfect okay but I didn't like <laughs> yeah, I no, didn't yeah. know I was like now I'm like it was it yeah really yeah was. yeah so I was like okay alright this is this is Good. going well so and how were you at, at the time how was your blood pressure was it but, uh, was it still right very high it was, it, that was the problem it right. stayed high afterwards okay. and I now know that that's quite common but at the time and I don't know I don't know I felt like a total medical anomaly mm. the, some of the staff were like looking at me you know that's she's what are we going to do with you yeah. what are we going to do with you is the phrase yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm not doing this deliberately yeah, and no, say, yeah. you need to relax now relax and no one has ever relaxed in the history of time from being told to relax <laughs> immediately like oh, just crap. relax now right? <laughs> yeah. just take a few deep breaths and relax and we'll do it again so there's the pressure yeah. the pressure and so that so that this is it. The first two days were fine. And like people were asking me then when are you getting out of hospital? And so after a C-section, you would usually get out two or three days. But I'm already in there like 10 days at this okay. stage. So then day two, day one, day two were fine. Day three is where it really started to go wrong for okay. me. So day three, you're getting the housekeeping staff and the hearing te hearing test staff coming in going, are you going home today? No, not going home today. Are you going home tomorrow? I don't know. And so he was still in special care till five days but this was me not being discharged yeah because sometimes the mom would be sent home so i was just sitting there like passing the days people packing up their stuff and going and say goodbye with their yeah. new babies mm. and people asking me when were we going to be home family asking when were we going to be home my dad drove up from kerry to visit was only allowed to see me for a few minutes couldn't see alex had to oh. see a photo and then left to drive down again oh, so yeah. it was really tough and then day three is a huge hit of hormones and right. baby blues for women because your hormones go off a cliff after you okay. have a baby and all the hormones change because of the breastfeeding and everything but your hormones just drop off a cliff right. basically and, and day two and three are renowned for it like so day three it was i was getting a little bit antsy about okay what is happening now like mm. i kind of could do with an update of what's happening with me am i is this something i'm going to be dealing with long term Am I going to... Because my blood pressure was going quite high sometimes. Mm. And I thought I was going to have a stroke. This is what I thought. But nobody was really explaining to me what it meant. So then 
day three as well was a good day for breastfeeding because in the special care unit when I was feeding him a midwife said to me and like this is the thing you get the luck of the draw with information and not a midwife it was a nurse in special care she said today I want you to feed him how you feed him at home so you either uh, breastfeed him or you top him up with formula okay. whichever you're going to do at home so I was like okay so I sat down to feed him and he fed on one side for one hour and I sat him up and he was still fussing and she goes so what would you do now at home would you top him up with formula or would you breastfeed him again and it's free and I'm lazy so yeah. I said breastfeed she goes put him back on the other side so he was doing two hour feeds that day oh. so a new a small baby will feed for very long times in the first few days and weeks because they're establishing your supply okay. it's supply and demand so they tell your body we need the the, the milk now because mm. it's colostrum for the first few days so that's normal that is absolutely normal if you were at home with your baby you'd literally be lying there watching Netflix while mm. they fed on and off for hours it's totally normal so because of my blood pressure a midwife wanted to check my blood pressure but I was still down in special care okay. so she rang to look for me to see when would I be back or should she come down and the, the nurse said how long is he feeding for today and I said it's literally all day today is two hours at a time which was great for me because I got to cuddle him yeah. otherwise I just have to put him back in straight away and the midwife said grand so I'll come down like the midwife didn't bat an eye she came down did my blood pressure and this other nurse literally sauntered over to me and Joe and this is like 11 o'clock at night and I'm delighted with my day mm. of breastfeeding and she goes did you say he's feeding for two hours at a time and I said yeah she goes yeah if a baby feeds for longer than 20 minutes he's making a folia wow and I looked at her and Joe looked and I said but the other one told me yeah. to feed him as long as he wanted and she looked at me like I was so such a fool, you know, like and yeah. Joe goes, is this what you're getting all the time? And I said, this is it. Like mm. there's such a mix of information. So by chance and because I had researched, I knew that it was normal. But if I hadn't listened to her mm. and had whipped him off, what would have happened then is that would have told my body, oh, he's done. He doesn't need yep. anymore. Don't make anymore. So it was that was that was how that day went. And it was just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I went to bed and at 10 p.m. every night they would check my blood pressure. And if it was up at 10 p.m., it meant I had to have it checked every hour from 10 okay. p.m. onwards. The hours you're supposed to be sleeping. And I'm not a good sleeper like at the best of times. So 10 p.m. that night, they checked my blood pressure and it was up. Okay. So they were like, right, we'll come back at one and check it. So I go to sleep, but like jittery sleep because I know the night that's coming ahead of me because I've already done it the night before. And at one, she came back and checked my blood pressure. And she said, I'm going to have to go talk to the doctor about this. And they do like it was very much relax like take yeah. a deep breath and you tense up straight away yeah. and you're like oh please god let the blood pressure be good let it be good yeah. so she went off and she came back and she goes take these i'll have to come back and check it in an hour again because it's so high and it was just all said mm. in this sort of it was my Your fault, fault yeah. and like it's it was a medical condition like i couldn't control it and um she said try and get some sleep i'll be back in an hour <laughs> So I lay down and I was actually on my own in the room at this stage. The other, all the other moms were gone and I lay down and I closed my eyes and I was like, Grace, calm yourself now. Like, this is your fault. You're doing this. And after a couple of minutes, I thought, okay, this is not going to work. Mm. If I stay here, I'm going to have a panic attack and it's not going to be good for anyone. So I got up to go get help because this is what they tell you to do in the world. If there's something wrong mentally or whatever, you go get help. Mm. And I thought this is like a safe place. This is a hospital, a maternity ward. And I went out into the hall and I met the same staff member and she said, what are you doing out of bed? And I said, look, is there somewhere I can go or someone I can talk to? I said, because if I stay in there and wait for you for an hour, I'm going to have a panic attack. Yeah. And she said, no, there isn't somewhere you can go. Or I said, is there even a TV I can watch, you know, to distract me? Yeah. She goes, there isn't anywhere you can go at this hour or there's no TV you can watch. She said, do you have any idea how serious this is? 
And I was like, I'm well aware of how serious this is. I've just had a baby. Like, that's enough of a shock to the system. You need to be alive to mind a baby. And I'm being told there's something wrong with you and we can't really control it. So I'm like, I'm keenly aware of how serious this is, which is why I want to go diffuse myself right now. Because otherwise I'm going to like at least have a panic attack. Mm. And in my head, I thought the worst case scenario is having a stroke because high blood pressure. She said, there's nowhere you can go. She was like, go back into your room and I'll be into you in an hour. And she left me standing there. She sounds there. nice. <laughs> she left me standing there in the hall. Like there are good apples. But yeah, of course. She left are, yeah. me standing there in the hall and I just burst out crying mm. in the hall. I thought I felt so trapped. And this was the beginning of me feeling like a wild animal in a cage being like looked at and mm. trapped. And another absolutely fab student midwife came down the hall and she said, Grace, what's the matter? And I told her, I said, I'm going to have a panic attack if I stay in there. Mm. I just need to go somewhere or talk to someone. And she said, she's going to the breastfeeding room. It's right next door. It was next door to my room. I didn't know because yeah. I'd been always down in special care. She goes, come on in here. We sat down, we talked and she gave me some magazines and stuff and she let me have this massive cry. And she said, look, I will be back in an hour to check. And I mm. said, and this is the thing. They kind of got it into their heads that I didn't want them checking it. I okay. wanted them to check it. Yeah. I had no problem with them checking it. But I was just terrified of what was coming after yeah, that. Yeah. So I got a lot of, we have to check it. I was like, I know that. I'm not arguing that. It was like they think you're trying to refuse care. Mm. But I wasn't. I just physically, my body was starting to go into, uh, I don't want you to do this, you yeah. know. So I sat there anyway and I read magazines and I rang my mom. I cried and cried at 3 a.m. And then she came back in and she checked it and she was like, and it was just a to- whole, whole different approach. She said, it is still up. Yeah. So I'm going to have to talk to the doctor instead of just going, it's still up. I have to go talk to the doctor like a teacher angry with Mm. you, you know. So that night anyway, I said to mom, will you please come up tomorrow? Because I just can't. She'd already been up and gone home and she came back up and I said, will you please come up? Because I just can't do this. And the the funny thing is my dad, not I know I said he's not the greatest dad. Mom was talking to him the next day and he said he woke at 3 a.m. worried about me and thought, I just, you know, I just don't, I don't like this, you know, I'm poor Grace. And he drove up as well, like randomly, you know. So, um. That was what where it started to yeah. go wrong that night. And that I had to go back down a few hours later to feed him at 6am or whatever. And when I came back up, I was so upset and everything. I asked to talk to a doctor or mm. something just to explain to me what was going on. And so a doctor came in and he was like, um, and he was a different, he's a medic it was called. See, I don't know what any of these things mean, no. but he was a medic. And he came in and he was like, got a kind of a brief rundown of the whole thing. And he said, it's just we have to get control on your blood pressure. And I was like, I know this, but like, when is that going to be able to happen? Like, I don't know. No one has told me a time frame. And I said, does it mean I'm going to have a stroke? Like, and he goes, oh, no, no, it's not that bad. It's just it might take us well, up to a few months to get it under mm. control. And I thought all someone had to do was tell me that. Yeah. I've been here thinking that I have a new baby who needs me and that I'm going to have a stroke any yeah. minute, you know. And it was that's what I mean. Like physically, they were on the ball minding mm. me and looking after me. But mentally, nobody explained anything yeah. to me. And even I kept crying because I thought he can cry like you had a baby around here. Who cares mm. of all places? And the amount of times I was met with really awkwardness from the staff. And I thought it's surely like this is the place that everybody cries, yeah. you know, and, yeah. I, and they'd be really awkward around me. And I was like, I don't even care anymore. Yeah. So then that was the time. So then we're on to day four. I should really have like in normal life know kind of when I'm going home yeah. and this kind of thing. Of and they basically had no answers for me. So then we asked to see a doctor and my mom, because Joe had work. My mom waited for two days from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. in my room, waited for the doctor to come that we had been assigned to. And Mm. he never came. And every few hours I was just on the same pattern, blood pressure, Mm. housekeeping and hearing someone's asking, am I going home today? 
booking my meal for the next day am i booking meals for the next day yeah. am i gone i was nearly there two weeks now at the stage people were asking when can we come visit when are you mm. home are you home yet and i just it was just i didn't know what was happening and then every night if i wasn't gone home by 10 p.m the one hour test would start again if oh, i God. failed the 10 p.m test yeah. so i really i said i felt like a caged animal mm. and what happened to me then was the blood pressure monitor would rattle coming down the hall and i said i felt i really felt like a dog knowing that its owner was going to beat it I'd oh. hear it coming down the yeah. hall and be like, okay, calm down, Grace, calm down now because you have to pass this and sure you're never going to like that. And it was just, then there was inconsistencies but when they'd test it and stuff. Skaboo would ring and say, he's due a feed and I'd hear him crying and then a midwife would show up and say, just need to check your blood pressure now. Mm. And even one medic did say one day she observed because the, the midwife said, should I give her medication to bring her blood pressure down? And the medic said, so you need to go to special care now because your baby is crying for a feed yeah. and I said yep and that literally makes you have a physical reaction it causes letdown it makes milk start flowing right. so your body is like bring me the baby yeah, <laughs> hurry, hurry. yeah yeah and she said so you need to get to special care now and I said yeah and she goes and we're holding you up and I said yeah she said so you're really angry at us aren't you and I said pretty much yeah and she said you can't medicate her for this this is stress induced mm. blood pressure so this went on he was born the Monday the following Sunday I was still there with no idea when I was going or anything. And on the Sunday, they kept telling me, just stay calm, you know, for days, just stay calm. Don't be crying and stuff. And on the Sunday, I was like, feck all of you. And I had this mm. massive cry. Even my mom stood there looking at me. And I was like, don't touch me. Don't come near me. I just need to do this. And after that, they checked my blood pressure again. And it was like low, lower. <laughs> because it was the pent up stress of it all was yeah. hell. So finally on the Monday, mom stood around literally outside my room waiting again for the full day. And she finally got the doctor. And we begged for me to go home. Mm. And we said like, the, he said, we, ha we can't let her home without getting her blood pressure down. And mm. my mom, bless my mom, she was like, but you don't mean she's going to be in here in six months yeah. like she can't be so and he goes no that's true too she was like so what what is she she can't keep staying in here this is destroying her and I was in the corner crying I couldn't mm. even talk anymore at this stage and so he agreed that I could go home and again this is it they think you're refusing care and I was like I will come back every day yeah. just let me go home so because Alex had gotten out of special care the day before oh, as right, well. Okay. so um and there was some oh yeah he said as well then that I'd need blood pressure medication that wouldn't suit breastfeeding and I'd have to stop at two weeks and this is me after fighting mm. special care and everything for days and I had learned how to breastfeed it was going great and he's like you'll have to quit in a week because yeah. of medication and my mom thought I was mad to breastfeed in the first place because she had a bad experience feeding okay. me but like talk about a turn she was she didn't agree with me but she knew that I wanted to do it and yeah. she said to him she said no she's not doing that so you need to find a medication mm. that's suitable and lo and behold when he looked he had two medications that were suitable but they, ah. he was, just wasn't going to bother going find it's it it's great like amazing that like your mom like because you weren't in the place to do that like, I couldn't yeah, speak yeah. And, yeah, and that was it I was so happy because she was like you're mad she said she mm. always says she'll kill me for saying this she said you know when men see another guy kicked in the balls yeah. and she says you know the way they like feel it she goes <laughs> yeah. that's what I feel if I hear breastfeeding if I see a woman doing it right. my body just shrivels because I remember the pain and that's her angle she was like you're mad you're mad and now like she's the biggest support that's so. crazy but but tell me then like because uh, we spoke about this as well um, you're uh, you, you spoke about PTSD yeah and f from those experiences which sounds completely reasonable thing to have after that kind of but did you tell me or am i imagining this you, you heard that noise coming down the hall yeah that you would react to something if you heard something similar to it, it oh would... no it's not the noise it's the words oh okay, or right. anything like that um if i go into my doctor i was in the doctor's two days ago with alex mm. and there was a blood pressure monitor there and i'm like oh. awake recoiling away from it right i can't the words pressure and blood i skim over them in things because wow. they're so bad yeah. um recently i went to a spa 
for treatment and you know they have to do the temperature check yeah. and I thought I will t- I, at the time I thought I must tell Derek this now <laughs> she said we'll just do a temperature check afterwards yeah. okay and my brain in seconds like it's so stupid went a temperature check what if she wants to do a blood pressure check I can't do that I'm just oh. going to leave the spa my yeah, brain yeah. is just so set yeah. now to panic and even my own doctor when I, after I had Dominic like all this obviously came up again when I was pregnant with him but mm. after I had him um, she wouldn't check my blood pressure or anything when I'd go in and she's like I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do it to you yeah. and that because it's that bad if I see the monitor or if someone mentions it or if I think someone might check it so it wasn't it's not the noise again right. oh, but if it's on TV I can't watch if someone's talking about blood pressure on TV wow. operation transformation they'll say their blood pressure yeah. is and it's and they'll start quoting numbers and I mute it because I just Wow, that's amazing, yeah. It, my mom, bless her, my mom had to have a blood pressure monitor last year and hers kept going up and up when they were doing yeah. it. She was like, give me the two-week one because I can't sit here and do this. And yeah. she said she's so traumatized because wow. when I was allowed out, I had to have it checked every few hours mm. and she had to do it. And it was right. actually fine. It ended up like going down at a normal rate yeah. with the medication and then without it. Once I got out, it dropped a load of marks yeah. because I was less stressed. But she was the one that had to do it and she's traumatized by the monitor like we're going to go into a bit actually when you get home with alex um, and we'll just we'll um we'll get the ad in for for martin because you know he's not the best patients in the world fusion training center monksland athlone a place to train in brazilian jiu-jitsu kickboxing martial arts and crossfit a great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community if you want to join the team find us on facebook at fusion training center or drop in for a chat fusion training center train like a warrior Two in a row, Grace. That's two in a row. I got right. I'm delighted with myself. It does I, sound I love like train like a warrior. Sorry. Yeah, it's it does. <laughs> I can't not say it. Like I think it's the the ten years in Dublin that did that to me. Um. So, tell us a bit then about when you got Alex home because uh, you spoke to me about this and um, it's a lot to do with sleep problems yeah. that you were having at yeah. the time. Yeah. So, so how did that affect you? So, when we got home, it was fantastic and like. A lot of women like struggle, you know, with the first while of a baby. But Mm. I was actually I loved it. And I in talking to others now, I think a big difference for me was a lot of women struggle with the the fourth trimester is the first three months because babies our babies are born too early. They they need longer. They're not actually fully finished. That's They sleep and need to stay on you all the time. So the fourth trimester should be like when you're just with your baby a lot and feeding a lot and all this and relaxing and you're recovering from the birth. And because I was sent home on bed rest, I was very good at that. Mm. I had to sit around, so it was fine. But a lot of women struggle because they want, okay. they have to clean the house. They want to get back to doing things. And so they, like, there's a lot of expectation and everything. But I was fine with all that. For the first few months, he slept not badly, but like, not badly for a new baby. They wake mm. all the time. They feed every two hours sort of thing. So it was fine. And then, um, when their sleep kind of starts to regulate at um, 12, 14, 16 weeks, his never did. Okay. And I remember this. it started like five months because I went back to work self-employed and I was like, he's like, he's just not sleeping. He just wakes crying all the time. But everyone will tell you it's normal. And some babies can take a bit longer, mm. you know. But so like I was actually doing great because I loved, I was delighted that, that all that was behind me, you know, having him. I loved um, the whole small baby thing. I really like small baby stage. It's mm. a nice stage for me. Um, everything was good. I, we'd had a good time. And then around six months, I didn't think his sleep was very normal. He never, he he was very difficult baby to settle for naps and stuff. You know, you have those babies who fall asleep on play mats and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's the opposite. Okay. We used to have to swaddle him. So wrap him in a blanket yeah. and you'd nearly sometimes have to restrain him. You'd have to like hold him in the blanket in your arms yeah. and shush him and really have a lot of things going on, you know, distracting wise to get him to sleep. 
But people would say to you, you know, once they start solids at six months, they'll sleep. Once they start crawling, they'll sleep. Once they start moving, mm. you know, walking, they'll sleep. Literally every one of them, he never slept. And people don't care and they stop listening to you because mm. they think you're just a tired first time mom. You weren't prepared for how tired you'd be or you're exaggerating yeah. or all three of those. So he never slept well, but like it wasn't too bad for the first while. And, you know, I was still thinking this is normal. It's OK. Some babies will do this up to maybe a year, you know, and up until a year, you're not supposed to really kind kind of control their night feeds. Hmm. So I was like, look, it's fine. You know, it's grand. But a key thing to remember in this as well now is I made wedding cakes for a mm. living. So they were booked in a summer ahead. OK, so when he was four months old, I was taking bookings for the next year when he'd be like 12 months, yeah. to 18 months. And I was like, sure, things will be grand by then. He'll be fine by mm. then. And I took a load of bookings thinking everything will be back to normal. So by 12 months anyway, I don't really remember much in terms of the sleep then because yeah. it's all a blur. But I remember at his 12 month checkup, I said to the doctor and the public health nurse, they said, oh, how's he sleep? Sleeping all night in his own bed? I said, no, he he doesn't sleep very well and he wakes a lot and he wakes upset when he wakes. That was always the thing with Alex. He woke screaming from every nap and like at night it was just a series of consecutive naps. He didn't sleep yeah. a long time at all. Always he'd wake. Um, the max he would have slept would be three hours in a row. Um, then when it got worse, he was waking every 30 to 90 minutes wow. all night. So I remember saying to them at that appointment, his sleep is terrible. Like, um, I think it's worse than it should be. And he's always upset. And they said to me, and is he still breastfed? And I said, yeah. And does, does he sleep in the bed with you? And I said, yeah. And they literally looked at each other like, mm, that's that'll be the reason now. Mm. And I thought I knew enough at this stage. I thought that's bull. Like, yeah. that's not the blame of it. But everyone, that was everybody, like everybody's favorite thing to say was he's still in the bed with you? Oh, because they want you to have them out in the cot, mm. like which is normal in certain cultures. It is normal in like a lot of our cultures, but from a biologically normal point of view, it's perfectly normal for small animals to sleep with their older animals, you know? Yeah. So and I slept in my mom's bed when I was little. So to me, it was normal. And um, they both said, you need to put him in a room on his own in his cot and leave him to cry when he wakes up. And mm. I thought, mm, OK, I was like, yeah, yeah, OK. And I left and thought, yeah, that's not happening. Well, you that know? doesn't that sounds like just throwing something out there. How easy is that going to be for you? Like just to oh, leave yeah. him cry there? Yeah. Like how easy is that going to be for yeah. anyone? But the thing is, like that I learned afterwards from other people and my other baby these people are talking about a baby that's like just waking and tossing and turning mm. and they think that you're going in and scooping him up to rescue him and waking him. Right. Yeah. So I like I, the the world and its mother, the dogs in the street gave me their opinions on his sleep. And I remember one mom at a mom and baby group I was at and she was like, but when he wakes, would you not just go back in and pat him back to sleep? And I was looking at her thinking, there is no patting him back yeah. to scream when he sleep when he is screaming his head off at you, you know, and that's it. Nobody was really when I said he wakes upset, I wasn't being clear enough for them mm. to understand that he is waking, screaming, blood curdling screams and he is hysterical. Yeah. And we have to like comfort him back to sleep and calm him. We're not like shushing him back to sleep, you know. So and we used to do a thing like where you'd have to sit with him if you <clears throat> if you weren't in the bed with him or wherever he was, even if you were in the bed with him, he'd have to hold your hand and he'd keep pulsing your hand like that. Right. And it was because he had to make sure you were there. He oh. couldn't, he just couldn't sleep by himself. Yeah. And he had to make sure you were there. And we didn't know at the time why that was or anything like that. So his sleep kept getting worse and worse. Um, well, it didn't keep getting worse and worse, but for his age, it mm. stayed bad. So it was getting worse and worse by age. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, everybody blamed me. Mm. That was what I accepted. I had all the cakes booked in 
so at this stage now talk about burning the candle at both mm. ends I had all these cakes booked in <clears throat> I had all this terrible sleep at night we were going to bed he'd go to bed at maybe 9 or 10 but like why would I go to sleep because he's going to wake again in half an hour oh. to two hours and then all night that would go on some nights I was out driving at 3am with him like just to try and get yeah. him to sleep a bit and nothing and um, I was trying to think about an example of this as well then so you'd fall asleep but not into a deep sleep and then he'd wake screaming he always woke screaming and it's the equivalent the sensation of waking to that all the time overnight was like imagine if you woke now tonight and you heard glass breaking downstairs mm. and the way your body would yeah. respond and think of doing that every one to two hours for like two years that's the way it was yeah. so I started like we, I'd panic going into the night at all you know because you're like how is this going to go tonight mm. like so then it was really bad what made really bad between 12 and 18 months because I had so much work to do and most other cake makers with kids work when the kids sleep yeah I couldn't, couldn't like be. I'd get maybe a couple of hours before he was screaming and like Joe wouldn't be able to comfort him and you'd have to sub in because you couldn't let one parent stay with the screaming for so long okay. you know and um I was just really, really tired, a real yeah. mess. But I got through it. I did all the work. It was really, really tough. And then, you know, the way what happens is, you know, if you're if you're working really hard or something and then you stop and you get sick, your mm. body gets a cold then because it was kind of waiting till you yeah. had time. So I was aiming for the 1st of October because I had or like around the 1st of October, a friend's wedding was on and I was doing her wedding cake and a wedding cake just before. It. So yeah. like the level of work I was doing I had Alex all the time with me I still hadn't put him in crash. I think you know I thought I shouldn't put him in crash. why should I I should be minding him but I totally renege on that now and crash is the yeah, best place in the that's world fair enough, yeah. so I had him with me all the time I literally delivered delivered him to be minded for the night somewhere mm. delivered a wedding cake to Galway delivered her wedding cake and set it up and then was at the wedding like this was the level of my life was at yeah. everything was just I can do this I can keep going I can power through and that weekend was like this big blowout like going to be oh my god I've survived it mm. I've done it it's all going to be fine now surely he'll start to sleep because all these random he'll start to sleep when XYZ happens and that weekend um, everything just hit me mm. I think my body just went off a cliff because it was like everything you've been bottling up for so long yeah. you don't have work now so you don't have to worry about it but and then while he was being minded that weekend, we were like, finally a break. Finally, someone else can see because it, I don't I say nobody believed us, but it's very difficult for people to believe us because mm. they weren't there. They d weren't there overnight yeah. to see. It was only me and Joe. So I think I understand why they thought we were exaggerating yeah. a lot of aspects of it. But we went back to collect him and uh, were at we were told it was all our fault. We'd made a rod for our own backs that he slept like this and we had to fix it. And I got a lot of comments from as I said, like people in every area of mm. my life commented and blamed me. Yeah. So that's people in my family, people in my friends, people in my acquaintances, medical professionals, like everyone. Mm. Randomers I met at baby groups were oh. blaming me for breast still breastfeeding. And it's the still bunny ears breastfeeding okay. that gets me because the World Health Organization recommends that children should be breastfed until two years, like obviously exclusively to six months mm. and then alongside food and a good diet they should be breastfed till two years for their immune system and everything but even though I was only still breastfeeding him at 18 months everybody was blaming yeah. me for it everyone and like when medical professionals are blaming yeah that's a problem so I thought it was all my fault I accepted that it was my fault just like that job you see years ago mm. it was all my fault it was my fault he didn't sleep it was my fault that I was so tired that he was so tired it was my fault that people were getting really angry at me about it and everything was just my fault yeah. and um everybody 
well a lot of people had opinions that I should stop feeding him because that was what was ridiculous you know mm. so again I hit a wall and like the time that I left and went down to Kerry I just I woke up one day and I had a wedding cake to deliver and the problem was as well you see because he slept so badly the days dragged like and then I later discovered the reason for all this but he would he oh we've got an update <laughs> it's not nah, virus protection sorry he um because he was so chronically tired he yeah. struggled during the day really? he was chronically exhausted yeah. but he looked fine he was heavy he was gaining weight fine mm. but he was very clingy baby more okay. bunny ears he was a clingy baby and people again that was my fault Your you see fault, yeah, yeah, yeah my fault so he was a very clingy child he wouldn't go off and explore he'd always be whinging back at me you know always and mm. it was all my fault and so the days dragged so we'd get up at nine o'clock late because we'd been awake every one or two hours and then all day was him whinging at me because constantly like if we went anywhere he just whinged at me he didn't Mm. want to play and that just beat me down completely and like you start to resent him Mm. so then there was one day joe was leaving for work and i just thought i just can't do another day of this i can't i can't do another day where he hates me and i hate my life and it's all my own fault Mm. and my own making so i ended up packing up i two wedding cakes and this is more of it. Even my way to get out was difficult. I had to go deliver two wedding cakes with Alex in the car. Okay. And then I drove to Kerry to mom, right. to the doctor, because I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And the only place I can go is down there because that's safe, yeah. you know, and that doctor is great. And I went to the same doctor again who'd helped me the last time. Hmm. And I was like, I just can't. He doesn't sleep. I can't cope. Everything is my fault. Everybody hates me and I can't do anything. And I literally can't sleep, can't do anything at this stage. And he um, prescribed me like two weeks of... Um, and I think it was an antidepressant I think just to get me over this because yeah. I didn't I, I didn't feel I needed it long term but at the time I, I did and he was great I showed him all the breastfeeding safe drugs mm. there is a drug sheet a fact sheet you can all right, okay, yeah, yeah. and he you know a lot of people come up a lot of women come up with uh, GPs who won't look at that and won't all respect right. it and will tell you you can't have them you have to stop breastfeeding which is a terrible idea if yeah. you need antidepressants you can't just do the hormone drop and the life drop and because of yeah. ditching breastfeeding because like it's a great parenting tool. If you have to abandon it, you're going to have a whole host of other problems as well as the hormone issues and everything. But you can have them on it. And um, so he gave me that. I stayed down home with mom just to get a break from everything and to get back up from her. But like I remember one day down with her there and uh, he was crying and just crying and crying. And he would not stop crying. Mm. And I, because I was safe with my mom, I remember it so clearly I was in the kitchen and I was like, he hates me. I was bawling, crying. And mom was upset because it's her mm. baby. She goes, he doesn't hate you. But I was holding him and he was just hysterical. Mm. And I was like, what other explanation is there except that he hates me? Like, you know, and it was just terrible that mm. you're there, like with your 18 month old that you adore. Yeah. But you think he hates me. I don't really like him so much anymore mm. after all this. And what? If, and I and I'm the cause of all of it, you know. So then. I went back up home again eventually and like basically life kind of went back to normal Mm. I did point out to people that like the breastfeeding wasn't up for discussion that I didn't think it had anything to do with it and I thought it was comforting him and everything and I kept going with it but I did decide then under the kind of general societal pressure and everyone to night wean him when he was 22 months so he was still breastfeeding during the day but not at night I did did he sleep of course he didn't sleep because it wasn't anything to do with it like you know but he was nearly two at that stage so it was just a developmental thing that Mm. he could cope a little bit better so then the the following year went on the same way he slept terribly nobody cared I brought it up at GP appointments I brought it up at um, public health nurse checks and I was pretty much always told 
that is the breastfeeding though mm. really like and he should be in his own bed and and basically if you're not willing to address them there's nothing we can do to help you you know mm. and then um he was two and a half when dominic was born can i ask you actually sorry yeah. to to, to no? kind of uh, butt in but after all of this with alex and the difficulties and obviously it was nobody's fault what yeah. any of it yeah did you ever think oh, i'm just gonna have one child you know um no i would have loved three right i just okay. always wanted three i don't know why it's not anything to do with me being an only child i'm not i i would have be perfectly happy with an only child mm. but i just wanted three okay. i don't know i wanted like i don't know it's just so that was not not enough it wasn't a big deal for you in no, the sense see, that wasn't going to put you off. No, and you see, the thing is, I thought, you see, and this is a skewed thing as well, but sure, everything's skewed. I thought, and the thing with preeclampsia is it doesn't always happen again. It doesn't always happen again. Mm. So I thought if I have another, it might undo all that for me okay. and fix me. Yeah. So I thought if I can do, there was no guarantee I'd have to have a C-section. There was no mm. guarantee I'd have preeclampsia. None of that. And I was in my head, like these stupid things that you think and keep to yourself. I was like, if I could get through another pregnancy mm. and then have a natural birth and not have preeclampsia, I will undo all that crap yeah. and it will make, it'll it'll fix it all for me. Um. So that was my aim with the second one. Right. So then I kind of, and as I always say, Joe is old. Joe is 40. So <laughs> oh, he's, he's five old. years older than me, you see. So I was like, Joe's old. So if I'm having kids, I, we want to get it done sooner. <laughs> okay. And then I thought, then I did bring it forward because I wanted the do over. Right. I always knew I wanted another kid. So I might as well go ahead and do it. And because Alex's sleep was so bad, if I had gotten to the point where he slept, I was never going back. Mm. So I thought might as well have a baby that I'll be up with when I'm already going to be up with the mm. other one. If we'd gotten to four and Alex had slept, you would never get me to go back. Yeah. And I thought that's a crap reason to not have yeah. siblings or more kids, yeah. you know. So um, so then anyway, yeah, uh, Dominic was born. So we'll, just the sleep issues, we'll say Dominic yeah. was born. Dominic slept like a log Good. all the way through. And that proved to me it wasn't my fault. Yeah. And he was breastfed mm. and he slept fine and he didn't wake up screaming yeah. in terror. And I thought they were, I knew they were wrong. I feckin' knew it like, you know. So then I decided, okay, that's it. We have to fix Alex because mm. there is something wrong with him. I um, brought him to, I, no, I brought him to the GP. They said he was fine. Nothing wrong with him. On Facebook, the great Facebook, mm. I um, asked on a group. It was a gentle parenting sleep okay. help group. And I said, like, I kind of said everything that was wrong with him. He was gone worse then. He was waking the 30 to 90 minutes. And you could see a direct correlation between his behavior during the day and the mm. lack of sleep. And um, he got chicken pox then was what it was when Dominic was a few months old. And he was just, I actually caught one of his sleep kind of crying fits in daylight because it was oh. he was uh, his, he was off kilter because of the yeah. chicken pox and I have the you know I have the recording from at night then as well and everything yeah. and um, I think you showed me yeah. the recording yeah yeah so I caught that during the day which was good so you could see he's there banging his head and mm. he's like saying no no and crying and you could, there's no talking to him so I thought no this is it I have to do something like I have all this kind of stuff now and I asked on this Facebook group any ideas what this could be and a couple of people said would it be his tonsils um, because my son had bad problems with his tonsils and he couldn't breathe at night and it was right. causing him problems and it causes behavioural issues and I said his tonsils he's never had any issues like it seems fine and they said well I'd just do it to get it checked you know right. so I went to the GP and said right I want a referral for an ear nose and throat consultant and the GP said like well his ears look fine to me and I said well I don't care I want it anyway and brought him in the middle of that as well, he had a soother at night and one night my mom said that she noticed because he would he'd sleep in her bed as well sometimes um, that when his, his soother was out, he'd stopped breathing 
And oh. she was like, I do think there is something, you know, wrong there. Yeah. So I brought him to this ear, nose and throat consultant days after a doctor had said his ears were fine. And within 20 minutes, he had diagnosed him with he has a deviated septum. He had enlarged adenoids with a low grade infection. Adenoids are related to your tonsils mm. there, at, like below your nose. Sinus That's about the only biology I do know. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough. He had glue ear in both ears, which oh. is where fluid stays in your ears after an infection. Right. Eight out of 10 children have that at some point. So how that oh. never occurred to anybody yeah, as yeah. a suggestion. So he had glue ear in both ears. So he'd obviously had an ear infection at some stage, but it hadn't registered yeah. like as a bad one. Um, And he had sleep apnea because of oh. the because of the adenoids and the deviated septum and he also we've later found out he had allergic rhinitis so wow. he had a deviated septum mm. allergic rhinitis inside his deviated septum enlarged infected adenoids glue ear yeah and then sleep apnea i'd like to see us try to sleep under those conditions yeah. like but you know the best thing to do with him would have been to put him in a cot on his own in the room and let him <laughs> yeah that that would have sorted yeah. it all out so he said is his hearing affected? How's his speech? And I said, I think it's fine, really. Mm. And he said, I want you to have a hearing test now for him because I'd be really surprised if his hearing isn't affected. So his hearing and speech should have been affected right. by the glue ear, but it wasn't. But it wasn't, okay. fantastic. So he said, we literally came out of that. He, I said to him then that like, he was still breastfed, I don't know, came up somewhere in it. And he said, the chances are the breastfeeding overnight would have really helped him because the swallowing would have cleared his ears, you know? All right. Um, so I was like, vindicated. Yeah. And then um, he said, yeah, so he's had sleep apnea. Yeah. And so he's waking up um, probably in discomfort from his ears or like smothering. Right. We literally came out of that appointment and high-fived each other in the For car. Sure, yeah. Because everyone who had said, don't be sitting beside him holding his hand yeah. at night like an idiot. He was, he needed us there because yeah. he wasn't sleeping. He was falling into a sleep because he was so chronically exhausted. Yeah. It wasn't the same as going to sleep. Mm. So all the times that we rocked him to sleep and shushed him and held him and fed him and everything, he was struggling so bad to sleep because when kids with glue ear and mm. anything like that, when they lie down, it gets worse. Okay. So that's, it's a, and I now know it's a really common thing that if a kid, if you see a kid who's saying, you know, a 10 month old won't sleep, waking every two hours crying, and it calms when you pick them up. It's because their ears feel better when they're up, but also they just have you and you can make up for the lack mm. of comfort they're getting when they lie down. Yeah, that's... Wow, there was a lot going on there, wasn't yeah. there? Yeah. And so, how, how is he now? Like, at, He's five, is he? Yeah, five so now? he's five now. So that was when he was two and a half. No, right. when he was like three, that was all diagnosed. Yeah. So then we had to start treatment and he was started on uh, antibiotics right. and a nasal spray. And that actually worked immediately, which was mm. great, but also so sad. That's all That's all we could have needed. That's all it took, yeah. Yeah, um, but then it started to wear off again. So then he had the adenoids out and he didn't have his tonsils out because they were okay. And the adenoids out, we thought was going to be the big one that mm. saved it and stopped it. But then... Um, Literally, the day he went into surgery for that, he decided he wasn't going to have nappies anymore. And then after it, his sleep got worse again. Mm. And we couldn't figure out why. He'd wake up screaming and screaming for hours again. And we literally were in the house at night, all four of us awake screaming mm. at 2 a.m. So I eventually went to the GP and I was like, we can't do this. And she said, at the, I was like, you've no idea. This is so bad. And I had the videos of him crying and stuff. The public health nurse actually said to me at one point, why didn't you tell us sooner? When I showed her the video, I was like, are you joking me? I told you, but you yeah. didn't understand how bad it was. And at the same time, I shared it on my Instagram for the drawings mm. because I was like, this is our lives. This is how bad his crying is at night. And even friends of mine had said, I didn't know it mm. was that bad. So um, at then he, his sleep was still bad and we, um, we didn't know what was going on. So I went to the GP and she actually referred us at that point to a family care worker thing. It's not okay. a social worker, but she said this is at this stage a family problem. Yeah. So... He chatted to us. He said, it sounds like um, 
night terrors but like it did but it didn't in mm. some ways as well you know and then he referred us to a play therapist and the play therapist was kind of interesting as well and um she just told us a bit about his behavior she said he's very much like defers to me on mm. anything so if you now if he was here when he was little and you said build me a tower there he'll go mommy and he'd ask me to do it right yeah and she said she kind of gave me a, a bit of answers on it but the best i got was i went to a private play therapist in mullingar and she listened to me talking for one session about it all and then she met alex for one right and she played away with him and he was fine and then as he was leaving he got into the car and i was talking to her and he roared at me mommy come on or whatever and she was like i've observed everything i'll chat to you later and yeah. she rang me and this is only last year and um she rang me and she said I don't think you're going to like what I have to say. Right. She said, I can't help him because his problem is around you. And she was like, I, that sounds terrible. Yeah. And I cried and cried after. But I know exactly what she was saying now. Right. So what had happened, Alex, was in all the sleep stuff, because he was a small baby, a small child, he looked to me and his dad to fix everything for mm. him. And so he'd cry at night. We'd pick him up. We couldn't fix it. Mm. But he didn't understand that, so he'd roar again. Yeah. And he had no comfort from us. So the time I thought he hated me, he was crying at me because he couldn't understand why I couldn't fix yeah. it for him. Yeah. So then that was what he'd do at night. Anything at night that would wake him, mommy and daddy. But then he carried that over into the day and he learned that the screaming that he would do, if you screamed and roared at mommy and daddy during the day, they were so traumatized by it at night, they'd do things for you. Yeah. So if he wanted to play with something there and he didn't really want to do it because it was frustrating him, instead of doing the normal two to three year old thing yeah. of trying to work through it, he'd go, mommy, and scream at me. And because yeah. I was so traumatized by the screaming, I'd help him. Yeah. And like my dad would say, my dad, he said, you're spoiling him because you're picking him up. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, that doesn't spoil a child. I was like, but he needs something from me. So I'm picking him up. But then, so that was only last year I went to that play therapist late last year. So he was four and a half. Hmm. And she said, I can't help you because this has to come from you. Right. Like, which is so not what I wanted to hear. But she said, you need to set boundaries with him now. She said, when you collected him, he played away fine at me. She said he was a very intelligent, very articulate boy, mm. but highly manipulative. Right. And he kept saying to her, like, I don't have one of those toys at home. And she was like, oh, that's a pity. <laughs> but yeah. he just knows he could get away with things yeah. with us because of everything that had happened. So she said, you're just going to have to set boundaries with him. She said, all of those traits he's developed, they don't serve either of you anymore. Mm. They did at the time. They are what got you through that horror. But he, you both have to unlearn them now. So there was a lot of that. And like when he'd shout, she'd just say to me, she gave me some great help. When he'd just do, it's this piercing screech. It's the most awful noise. And you'd do anything to stop mm. it, you see. She'd say, I'd have to say to him, Alex, we don't shout at each other. We don't scream at each other. Mm. And the, the family worker as well said that. He said, tell him, you know, um, you can go sit over there now because he, I was at the end of my tether mm. completely. And he said, if you so if you need a break from that, it's fine. You know, you don't have to put up with your kid doing anything to you. Yeah. So I'd say to him, you know, you can you can't scream like that if you're in this room with me. You can either go outside and scream because I know you're upset and I know you're mad and I know you're angry to try and give him the words but you can't do that noise if you're in here with me and so that's what we do now like yeah. he'll know I'm like one more scream and mm. you're going into your room and he'll sulk off into his own room and then come out of you but at later. least he's yeah yeah so now he sleeps great for us okay but other people would think it's terrible for a five-year-old you know <laughs> yeah I know what you so mean. he's still so we had to teach him all that we had to teach him that and he's had awful nightmares and stuff he mm. had one nightmare there two years ago that was terrible and he said it to joe he was like daddy i had a dream that you left me in the woods and there was a circle of mountain lines around me oh, well. but you just left me there why did you do that daddy oh no and joe was like 
heartbroken and he yeah. goes why didn't you save me daddy and the play therapist said that's him trying to process the nighttime mm. stuff he felt that he was on his own and that you weren't helping him but we couldn't we were doing yeah. everything we could but obviously we couldn't do any medical interventions in the time so uh, under the fantastic consultant in Galway he did have some treatments mm. and then but he still has the allergic rhinitis and okay. he still had the learned behavior about sleep and the, the fear of it and yeah. everything. So the last few years have been like still working through that and stuff. So he does sleep well now. I'd say a baby, maybe three or four nights of the week, he sleeps solidly in his own room, oh, good. which is like, yeah, amazing. For us is amazing. <laughs> but then there's other nights he'll wake crying. Some mm. nights it's because of his allergic rhinitis. It flares up even though he is on nasal spray and mm. stuff. So he'll wake again, banging himself in the face and crying and he, he won't or can't talk to you when he's like that. Mm. So you there's tricks and ways around it. But now after that play therapist last year, it sounds so wrong. He'll mm. be screaming, crying at midnight and I'll go, Alex, I've done it. I've given you all the options now. Like I've asked you X, Y, Z or whatever. Mm. I can't do any more for you. When you want more help or can talk to me, come get me. Yeah. And he, after a few minutes, he'll come out of it. Whereas right. before we were going, what is it, baby? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was just giving him more attention, you know. So it's very difficult to break because you're just doing what you think you should do, yeah. which is what you sh- you did the right thing. It's just not right anymore. So about four nights now, he'll still wake either with a nightmare or needing a cuddle or wanting to come into our bed yeah. or whatever. But for him, he's amazingly different and his behavior is so different. Great. Like, I mean... He's going to have some stories when he's older. For you. You're going to tell him some stories about Oh, uh, I said, I'm going like. to set alarms around his room when he's a teenager for like <laughs> yeah. different times a night and I'm going to wake him to tell him that my sock fell off at 2 a.m. Yeah, you just walk in screaming into his room. Yeah. Um, exactly. I want to talk to you a bit about actually, because you've obviously mentioned a few times there about breastfeeding. Like, why, why is it such a passion to you, for you, I should say? Because it was when everything else went wrong after his birth, it was the only thing that went right for me. Yeah. And for a long time, I felt that that it was the only thing of parenting that I could do right. Yeah. So that made me want to support other um, mothers who felt they weren't really supported with it because like everyone has opinions on every aspect of parenting. But for me personally, that was the one that I had gone through and that resonated with me. And it is a thing that like needs to be normalized and supported more because we have very low breastfeeding rates and it's very much not normalized. Why are people so weird about it, do you think? There's lots of reasons people are weird about it. Yeah. It's not normal. It's still, it's not seen as normal in the last few generations of mm. Irish culture and lots of other Western cultures. So, you know, in the 50s and 60s, formula came in and it was seen as fantastic because, you know, it was, it is great. Like, it is fantastic. Like, it, obviously it saves babies and, yeah. and everything. But it was just seen as science and science was better than nature. Mm. So for the last few generations, we kind of went that way that like, clearly scientific things are much better than silly nature things you know and then it just became the norm because women had to go back to work and everything in the 80s you couldn't establish breastfeeding and you couldn't do it if you were working so babies were primarily bottle fed so it became what we saw the most was bottles my washing machine for baby clothes has a symbol of a bottle yeah that's how normalized bottle feeding is why isn't it a vest it annoys me every day why isn't it a baby vest but that's how normal it is yeah. like there's bottle feeding emojis for years and stuff or bottle emojis and there's only a breastfeeding one since last year oh I is there yeah so i start that's how i started the drawings was when alex was 18 months yeah. and i was being told it's all your fault and it's breastfeeding's fault and i thought no fuck this like you know so i thought i'll do a drawing of a mom who is proud of breastfeeding because mm. i didn't feel it is proud of it and she's just feeding her baby and he's an older baby and it's nobody's business and he's being fed so what's the issue what's the you issue, know yeah. and that's the thing it's like neither breastfeeding or bottle feeding is more important than the mm. other they should just be equally normal and yeah. it's normal you'd walk into a cafe and see a baby being fed with a bottle that's normal whereas a mom who's not feeding by bottle and feeding 
but like breastfeeding will be told like wrongly to leave because you can legally it's legally protected to feed anywhere you want in Ireland but you will have people telling her to cover up yeah. throwing dirty looks or making comments or whatever you would never do that to a mom feeding with a bottle you would never say mm. you can't feed your baby in here or it's disgusting to bottle feed your baby here so I just wanted to support it because mm. I, I got I, I just started that drawing that night because it was what I was thinking of yeah. it was a night that we were trying to night wean Alex because it was all my fault and I was trying to distract myself and I thought I will draw this okay. and that's just for me but I shared it on a breastfeeding group because I thought where else could you share mm. it and they loved it because yeah. it was just another way of expressing that it should be normalised you know yeah, so, yeah. You, you you brought it here as well so I'm going to take a photo of that and we'll put it up on, on our page uh, so then you uh, you ended up in Oris and Uteron. how did oh, that yeah, happen so that was actually um, because last year I started volunteering with Friends of Breastfeeding. Okay. They're a charity that obviously normalise breastfeeding and they support breastfeeding mothers and all this. And one of the things that you can do is you can host a mom to mom breastfeeding peer support group. So I started that in Balance Low last year because there's not we have a hospital with a huge um, maternity unit, mm. but there there's not that much support around for breastfeeding mothers yeah. and stuff like that and I had been going to Quidju breastfeeding support group there since mine were tiny and there had been a group in the health centre run by a lactation consultant but that group was gone and those groups are the lifesaver mm. of well like all mum and baby groups are lifesavers of mums and babies but the breastfeeding group was a lifesaver if you're trying to learn breastfeeding because yeah. I remember going to it not having a clue what I was doing and then you see these moms and they're doing it so casually and you're like oh that's how she holds the yeah. baby <laughs> or that's the kind of top she wears you yeah. know so I started the friends of breastfeeding group and then because I was a volunteer with Friends of Breastfeeding. They, every year, Sabina Higgins, she's a huge breastfeeding advocate. Mm. And during National Breastfeeding Week, she hosts this latching on event in Oris and Uchtaron, And Friends of Breastfeeding get allocated, allocated a certain amount of invites. Okay. And I thought, I'm going to apply because you have to have a breastfed baby with you. That's the yeah. thing, you have to. And Dominic was nearly two. So I thought, this is my last shot. Yeah. On, so, and now, well, I nearly would have a shot again this year, except he um what she it's probably not going to be on because of the whole covid stuff course, you know yeah, yeah. so um i applied anyway and got there with friends of breastfeeding so that was lovely how um, was it great yeah. it was cool yeah, it was really so. cool yeah so we went up and it's just so strange like the two yeah. of us all dressed up and into our snook drawn and like there'd be others there that i kind of know or know from the online groups mm. and stuff and we all met up and it was just wild to yeah. see all these kids running around Ars and Uktron, like with all the busts of the presidents mm. and the huge paintings yeah. and we got food and they're there like the staff with the little Ars and Uktron napkin saying would he like a goujon <laughs> like it was just so funny and then um, Sabina Higgins spoke and there was lots of other people speaking yeah. and then all of our groups got photos with Sabina and everything did so. you get to meet the, the big dog that they have no that's such a cool dog yeah they're fab dogs yeah, they're they? yeah, there's no. two of them is there there was two. Did one die? I, I don't think. know. I don't know. I think they're usually with um, Michael D, Michael but D. he wasn't there. Sometimes he is at the yeah. end. But um, no, sometimes people see, see him out in the garden. They'd be walking in the field out yeah. the back, and they say, "Which yeah, is deadly." I know. Considering, so the, cool. I suppose you wouldn't get that in most uh, countries. So obviously, you just mentioned there about your your drawing. So yeah. Um. Then you obviously set up Mama's drawing room. Yeah. Uh. When did that kind of? So when he was eighteen months, I did the drawing. Yeah. And that was. October uh, they're all Octobers it was in October I did the drawing because that was when that was the time that everything everything had just gone really wrong don't worry everybody hits the next (laughs) time including me everything had just gone really wrong and I was trying to night wean him because it was all my fault and Joe was down the end of the house trying to get him to sleep Hmm. um and I was like, I have to do something to distract myself from the crying. Yeah. Like, so I was like, right, I'm going to draw. I had just kind of learned this new style of drawing Zentangle and I thought I'm going to draw a mom. Breastfeeding her older baby 
as an F you to all the ones who thought it was wrong. And then that was like 11 o'clock at night and I posted it on this group, this mm. amazing breastfeeding group I'm on, just just because I knew that they might like it. And I went to sleep and I woke again at one and there was like all these comments and stuff from people and they said they loved it and could they buy it? Mm. And I was like, look, I'm not about to go down the path of getting these things printed. And they told me that you could sell them on Etsy. Mm. So I had been planning on going down home then anyway. And I remember on the drive down home, I was like, what will I call this? Like, if I'm going to set up an Etsy shop, mm. I have to call it something. And within the few hours down, I got Mama's drawing room and I thought it was good. It's good. So I put up the shop yeah. um, so that a few people could buy it. And that was the start of it. So mm. that was um, like four years ago. But then like it wasn't, it's not a business, you know, even up to yeah. now, it's just kind of trying to get it going. Yeah. Um, it was the odd sale here and yeah. there. Well, it's something you enjoy doing. That's the point. That was of it. It, like, yeah, it was yeah. because a lot of women wanted to buy it for tattoos and yeah. to frame and to give us gifts, which is so lovely it's, because like yeah. the whole point was that I felt so isolated yeah. and unsupported. And now like just today I was writing a card that someone had ordered it through my Etsy shop to send to someone else. And she yeah. was like, well done and everything you've achieved this year since yeah. the baby was born. And it's just so lovely. It's, lo- it's, it's lovely. Yeah. For that then. So something you struggled with, you can turn into a positive yeah. you know so um that was how it got started and then on instagram like it does kind of well on instagram mm. because there is quite it's a niche thing mm. hashtag breastfeeding art you know yeah. and all the normalizing breastfeeding but it's not that. just breastfeeding though because no it's not it's y- not yeah. you've got um and again you brought it here so i can take a photo of it there's there's an amazing picture you did of of uh, of a girl yeah. a woman me you all uh kind of portrait kind of yeah but uh, when you showed it to me i was it, could relate to it immediately uh regards to anxiety and it uh, like i'll describe it poorly so i probably shouldn't describe it i'll just take the photo and put it up but it's just the worries outside of the person yeah um lines coming out and and uh words of the things that are uh, upsetting them or making them anxious and stuff but it creates like it's a perfect representation of anxiety for me the I feel t- like that's like that means so much. <laughs> well, the word the words person. might change. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But it's the same, yeah. you know, the same. Um, the image overall. Yeah, just the just, chaos. She's just trapped, literally yeah. trapped within her thoughts. Within her thought, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it struck me um, when you first showed it to me, and um, I, I know the the uh, the style though that you use for for um, for the breastfeeding ones. It's a particular. Is that is there a name for that? Yeah. Style? So as you said, it's not all breastfeeding, but yeah. that's the one that is kind of the main yeah. one that it gets into. But I do, I say it's motherhood art, but actually mm. I do ones of parents. It's mostly mm. parents and babies, but yeah. I have done actually one of two sisters as well. Okay. So it's basically any drawing that there's a connection to yeah. draw is yeah. what I'm drawing. Um, what was the question? No, it's just the, the actual <laughs> oh, the style, style of it. Yeah. Is so that what it is? Yeah. Originally, I did a, a, a this thing in Galway, and it was a Zentangle drawing class. Okay. Um. So Zentangle is like a mindfulness drawing. All right. It's you do sections and then you fill them in with patterns and you plot them and you plan them and Mm. it's just distracting and there's no right or wrong. There's no kind of end or beginning. And that night we done a fish and it was different to what I do now. Like it was it was but it was this pen drawing and you filled it in and then I just started applying it myself at home. So it is it's I call it like as well Zen doodle because it's not strictly Zentangle. Zentangle is mostly just a drawing done in different divided into segments with different patterns inside it so you've just uh, adapted it to kind of what you want to do yeah it would usually you'd get like mandalas of them you know the circular pattern things or you know um random shapes or things like that so i've just kind of put it into portraits sort of very it's a very striking style like you know, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's distinctive. Cool. Very distinctive. Yeah. I saw it on a couple of prints uh, that, that, that you did. Yeah, obviously, a few different ones that you've done. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great, though. And we will be uh, obviously promoting Mum's um, Drawing Room, too. Uh, I wanted to... Yeah, so creative creativity then would obviously 
it's something that um something that comes naturally to people yeah. if they're creative they're creative mm. i find it helps with my mental health yeah. would you say the same yeah yeah um it's funny because i say i'm a proper tortured artist when i was bullied at work i started yeah. my cake business which is very artistic cakes yeah and then when everything went wrong at 18 months i started the drawing yeah i i find something <laughs> and i just started then yeah. but yeah i i would f- find the creative things to help but then it depends on what it is because that was what worked for me with the pen drawings because Mm. I'd always want to paint and stuff but painting takes so much setup and especially when I small kids around you can't go oh during nap time I'll start doing Mm. a big oil painting because you'd have stuff (laughs) everywhere and it would get destroyed and when I did that pen class I thought this is brilliant because you can just have a sketch pad and a pen it's minimal yeah I can just put it away whereas other things would just provide stress for Mm. me so I've tried everything like I've Mm. done i I, my mom always mocks me because I did textiles in college but oh, I, yeah, I yeah. should never be anywhere near fabric or, or anything I've tried you know crochet and knitting they're all just stressful yeah. to me but if you find the right thing but it's about there's a brilliant artist called Josie Lewis Art okay. and she went through very very difficult stuff with um, stillbirth and losing babies yeah. but she she said after it she couldn't focus on doing detailed art so she literally went back to putting colors on a page and now that's what her art mostly oh, is really? people yeah. love it like, yeah and it's the whole mindfulness thing yeah. but she and and she says you have to hit flow peak flow is like so flow is when you hit something that you enjoy doing yeah. but you don't enjoy it so much that it stresses you yeah and apparently peak flow is four percent of your overall like abilities yeah because it has to be something easy so that was i've tried so many different things and they're not calming because i get annoyed with them <laughs> yeah. whereas and that's the thing with the drawings because mm. when people want commissioned ones and stuff then sometimes it veers towards stressful yeah and i have to be like no no bring it back like you're just drawing if they actually don't like it it doesn't matter yeah because that was to kind of ruining it for me again so I do find it helpful, yeah. but it has to be the right thing. I agree. I like that's what I uh, your picture with the anxiety, the um, yourself and the and the mm. anxieties that surrounds you. I I find that so good because I at um I spoke about it on on the Sunday uh, Facebook Live thing that I did where I've been lo- I've been looking at a, lo- a lot of art which is kind of considered as outsider art, but it's just because the people have been diagnosed with mental health um problems or they're they're institutionalized or whatever they are. But if if they if you see a picture that I saw a picture of a particular uh, a lady sitting on the ground and out of, coming out of her head is kind of almost like a so you'd see out of a torch the shape yeah. from a torch shining out and it's just pictures of people um all over the place and you can tell what it's, it's a schizophrenia you know schizophrenia yeah. is oh, the, yeah, the idea yeah. and there's a few uh, different uh, artists I've been looking up and a few different photographers that I've been looking up and it's just it's so striking that I can relate to something on such on on kind of a at surface level and also a deeper level and that's why that the picture that you did was so striking Mm -hmm. because it's just oh geez that's exactly what i'm thinking i just wouldn't be able to draw it and it's you know it's funny because that one obviously it's not like my normal style and it was just a bad patch i can't even remember now but i know i was like really stressed and everything and i was just so angry that i was at home with the boys with no help or support Mm. having to deal with this it just really annoyed me and i thought i don't know and that's the thing about it like uh, when you're a creative person I, it does it doesn't even do you know, don't doesn't even, doesn't even feel right to say something yeah. i'm like i'm an artist yeah but i can say it better yeah. than if i said it in words so that day i thought i'm gonna draw mm. a panic attack and i'm gonna show what it's like yeah. and you cannot get away because you know they'll always say go out and breathe go for a walk mm. if you're at home with two small kids who want snacks yeah. and are demanding and throwing toys at you you can't just walk out and do something so that i just ended up drawing that that day it literally came to me mm. like that now even though it's a different style kind of yeah 
it came to me what I can use my pen and my paper but yeah. it's different and I just was honest with what yeah. I put in to the yeah, box it's very, yeah, but like you said yeah. if you don't look you can still see what's going on even if you don't read exactly, what yeah. it is the, tra- um, the idea of being trapped as well it's like yeah. you're, you're expressing so suppose this next question is going to be a dumb one um, in, do you have any spare time to do anything I do now do because thanks to the wonderful people at our fabulous creche Very good. that's where I have free yeah. time because my husband is fire crew as well but yeah. it's retained fire crew so they, okay. they're not on shifts the beeper can go off at any time so I couldn't we'll say go to CrossFit now of an evening mm. because if he gets a fire call he'll miss it while I'm gone yeah. um, another, all these things that you didn't think of before you had kids like our lives were fine for years before he was fire crew and then yeah. you're like oh yeah we can't leave those guys um, so while the boys are at creche and now my older one is starting school as well so the things I do in my free time are CrossFit mm-hmm. and I like I can't even my friends are mocking me because they can't <laughs> even believe that I go to it now yeah, yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for Fiona telling me about it yeah. and if then I won the six week transformation and I so nearly bailed at the door my husband said mm. he thought there was a high chance I was going to leave and come home and not go Um, but it's just amazing like yeah. it's so good to get out and I find that great some days I've gone over there and if I'd stayed home I'd have had a panic attack yeah. and I'll be in there and even for the first few minutes mm. I can feel that I'm like fuzzy yeah yeah but if you just have to count skips mm. or if you have to do something, it takes you out of exactly. it. And then once you, ha- it, so it fixes it in that moment. And then once you've it done, it's an achievement. Mm. So even if you think, God, I'm crap at everything, but I deadlifted 60 <laughs> yeah. kilos, like, yeah. you know, today. So I do, I love that now. Yeah. Like, and it's literally, especially after lockdown, I kind of realized what I want to do and what's important to me and stuff. Yeah. And I basically am at home <laughs> doing work or with the boys yeah. or I'm at CrossFit yeah. and that's it. Um, I do bake as well because mm, I do like course. baking. And um, should have brought I, some stuff. I, I'm only Do you know I'm I was going diet. to? But I'm I thought you were on some. F- I am on an eating thing. I was yeah. going to say some funny diet. Funny, yeah. Like, it's it's Martin, so yeah, it's kind of funny. Well, whenever you can eat things, let me yeah, know bring them over. Yeah. yeah, and um, I I say I read, but like at the moment I don't really read because yeah. I that went with Alex because a page would wake him if you were beside him and God knows you weren't going to wake him if he was asleep mm. and I couldn't focus my mind because I'd think why should I start reading a book because in 15 minutes he could wake up yeah. so I don't really I have a pile of books to get through but I haven't but that I used to love reading eventually again it must be very I mean I love reading but I I mean you can see the house is empty there's not yeah. distractions and I'm not bragging you've got the love of two kids I, so but, this all is, good. but this is it everyone I always find like people like People like the panic attack thing. Yeah, that was shared all over Facebook, mm. and so many women loved it because they're scared to say it. Yeah, and I hate that. You can be grateful for something, or you can love your life, or something, but you can still have emotions about it mm. and have yeah. negative thoughts. Yeah, and of like, course. That was the thing about that. I remember I put that up, and somebody. Uh, said to my mom like is Grace alright like Jesus that was some yeah. drawing and you're like why did you ask me if I'm alright <laughs> yeah, yeah, because well, <laughs> you can't you know you won't, moms won't do that they won't say oh my god yeah. I just want to curl into a ball and cry because right now I hate being at home with my children yeah. and it's like that you feel like you can't complain about it because someone else might not have it or yeah. that you should be grateful for it yeah. like you can yeah. have you can want something and get it and still realize that there's bits of it that you struggle with exactly you know? yeah, like so I agree, yeah. don't worry i'm endlessly jealous of your um reading time <laughs> yeah yeah um, where can people see your art and buy your merchandise we obviously mentioned it before but so i have a new website called mamasdrawingroom.com yes thank you to my friend Kleena for working on that it's so a beautiful hard. website it's, it's very clean very 
easy to navigate she, as well. She's fantastic, but she's my oldest friend, so she knows me so well. Okay, right, yeah. Um, so it was great because a, a web designer that just, I, you know, did the job yeah. wouldn't know me well enough. So she was the one who said, we won't just put up art up there. We'll put everything about mm, mental health yeah. and breastfeeding and everything. So that, that's the website. And then everything else is Mama's Drawing Room. So Instagram is Mama's Drawing Room, Facebook. And then the Etsy shop is mamasdrawingroom.etsy.com. We will get that stuff and put it up next It'll be it'll be Thursday week at this stage, but it will be on the Thursday. We'll put your uh, your stuff up, uh, Grace. I'd like to say that you have now produced the longest episode oh, yet. No, no, was what? What do you mean? Oh no, it's good. It's an is achievement. It? Of course it is. The more content, the better. And you know what was great for me, and great for the listeners. They didn't have to listen to me talk for too long. It was it was beautiful. It was I did think there was sometimes where I said a lot of stuff and you no, were quiet for a long time. Yeah, but that was nice. That sometimes I quite like that you know they've heard me enough this is episode 31 they've heard loads of me no uh grace thank you very much for joining us it's been great it was a great conversation and i know it will help people um even to hear somebody talk about um parenthood and the struggles of it we all know that there's amazing things that happen uh for parents as parents but Maybe not hear as much about the struggles yeah, that people have, you because know. Because like you can have your dream job and still be annoyed at the commute or something. Yeah, you know what it's I mean? true. Yeah, yeah. So like that—that's that's why I started being really honest with art and wanting to do something like this, even though it's so far out of my comfort yeah. zone. Because when I used to go to groups and say he's not sleeping, I am hanging. Yeah. People just kind of ignored you or glossed over yeah, it, and yeah. that's what I don't want to do to other people. So. And it's great. And like I said, people uh, will will take a lot from this. Um, I'll fly through these bits. Um, thank you very much, to John, as always for for getting the content out there to his family Megan congrats to Megan for what she's achieved on the the eating plan at the moment um, thanks to Jer my mum, my dad and my grandfather uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already it's the weekly weekly Facebook's the same Instagram is pretty much the same Twitter is probably not the same but you'll find it if you type it in um, I, I, it's ridiculous I read it out every time and I still don't know what it is Um because I don't care. I know I do. Uh, so we can you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, all those other ones that we're on um, that John set up. Um, once again, Grace, it's been a pleasure chatting to you and thank you very much and we'll see you in CrossFit. Yeah. Um, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Um, have a good week. Uh, join us on Sunday for, I don't know, I'll waffle about something and I'll butcher a couple of songs. Um, right, everybody, take care. Um, all the best. Goodbye.